Hi, this is Mike, and thanks for joining us for episode eight of Getting Everyone Moving, brought to you by Palms and Pines Parasports. Today, I have a friend who I met in North Carolina, Andrea Woodson-Smith. Hey, Andrea. Hi, how are you? Doing all right, doing all right, thank you. Um, so Andrea, can you tell us how you got involved with adaptive sports? Um, sure, my first encounter came when I was working on my PhD at Texas Women's University. And I was taking a disability sport class. And within that class, we went to different areas to meet with different people um, who were involved in adapted sports. And we went to Dallas and met with one of the members of the, I believe I'm trying to get the name right, of the Dallas Texans ladies, Maybe. women's, ladies basketball, wheelchair basketball team. Our name has changed so often. Yeah. Uh, during at that time, it was the Lady Texans. Oh, it was. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yes, yes. So um, we met with Pam Fontaine and the rest of the team. And my professor at the time knew that I had arthritis in both hips. And so she told Pam and let her know. And Pam, of course, said, well, she's eligible to play. And um, how can we make this work? How can we get her to practices and get her on our team? And so my professor agreed to allow me to miss one Monday of every month to go practice with them. And so um, <clears throat> being a person who loves basketball, period, um, who grew up playing basketball, played basketball in college, um, I, I understood the game, but I didn't understand the chair. And so um, it was very frustrating trying to make that transition. Um, I almost did not complete the transition, almost stopped playing um, because it was just too frustrating for me, um, dealing with everything that I dealt with as a stand-up basketball player. Um, I didn't really wanna go back to that and have to relive a lot of the things that I lived during uh, my college years. But I stuck with it. They sent me to a, um, an NWBA summer camp and after that, I got hooked um, and started training. There was another girl on my, on my team, uh, Lorraine Gonzalez, who really pushed me to become a better player. Um, she was very aggressive in her playing style. Um, she was another big player. And so it was nice to have another person who was in my position, um, who I could compete against and compete with, because I love to have that camaraderie with another big player where we can work together um, and do different things that only bigs are able to do together. And so it was nice to have that. So that's what really pushed me into getting truly involved in participating in wheelchair basketball. Um, that was my first sport that I started with. And did you have to stop playing stand-up basketball then? I mean, did you have so much pain that it was just so difficult to play? Yes. Yes. I, um, I had a lot of pain. Um, my first pain started when I was age 16, but I didn't actually get diagnosed until age 19. And I tried to play, um, after my diagnosis, I played one more year because I had, I lost one year, my sophomore year. I lost my sophomore year in college. And then I came back and played my junior year. And after the going through my junior year and having so much pain and, and really having to, um, to acknowledge that I had a disability. It wasn't just the physical, it was the mental part that was getting to me as well. And so 
um, because of the physicality and because of the career choice that I was going into, which was coaching um, and teaching, my coach thought it would be a better idea for me to save my body so that I would be able to go into my career. And so I uh, took the, my last year of college and uh, decided to become a student coach so I can learn more about the coaching aspect of the game and construct practices, see what it's all involved in coaching. And so I went that route and stopped playing um, stand-up basketball. So how did you overcome kind of those, you know, emotional challenges? Because, you know, I think of someone who maybe was just injured, you know, had to have an amputation, uh, you know, spinal cord injury. How do you, how do you deal with that? It's, it's difficult. It's, it took me probably 15 years to get over that. Um, and a lot of that was because I was not involved in adaptive sports. Um, and some of that was, uh, one of the problems that I had was the fact that I tried out for a WNBA team and a lot of the players who were trying out at the time were players that I played against, um, and were better than some of those players. And so it was hard for me to grasp the concept that they're playing and I'm not. Um, so I struggled with that component tremendously, but it wasn't until I, truly got involved in adapted sports, um, had people who were like me, um, not necessarily the same disability, but just a disability in general, to be able to talk through that transition component of going into wheelchair sports um, and just seeing the importance of it and what I could do. And then also seeing the outcome of entering and where I went with adapted sports. That part really helped me transition um, from an able-bodied, so-called able-bodied sport or stand-up basketball into wheelchair basketball um, and to adapted sports in general. So you were an elite stand-up, you know, basketball player, but, but you got to play in the Paralympics. Yes. Talk, talk about that. That was, um, that was, you know, it was never really a dream of mine. My dream was to make it to the Olympics. That was my ultimate dream was to make it to the Olympics. And so when that didn't happen and that didn't occur, it was pretty much, well, I'm going to coach. I'm going to be a division one women's basketball coach at UNC. I'd, I'd already had it planned out <laughs> specifically. <laughs> um, but when the pain occurred and I worked a couple of camps and could barely walk after the camps, could, dealing with pain during the camps, I knew that that was not gonna be the position for me, um, not knowing about adaptive sports. Um, but going into the Paralympics, prior to making the Paralympic team, uh, one of the coaches came up to me and I think, I think it was Frank Burns <laughs> actually came up to me and said, um, let me see your wingspan. And I showed him my wingspan and he said, yeah, you're going to be a USA player. And I said, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not interested <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I was not interested. But um, like I said, when Lorraine came on our team, it, it just made me want to compete more and become better. And then when I saw where I could actually go and have a true understanding of what the Paralympics was, then yes, I wanted to pursue that pathway and make the Paralympic team. And the first team that I tried out for, I didn't make. I was an alternate, actually. Um, and then I was placed on the team because 
uh, one of the members had to be had to leave the team. And so I made that team um, from an alternate position and then had to be removed from that team um, due to other medical conditions. <laughs> and so it was it was a battle um, trying to get there. But then in 2012, when I finally did get there, um, because I didn't try out for the 2018 um, because of personal family issues. But when I tried out for the 2012 team, it was like, yes, I finally made it. But then it was, okay, now I have to be really cognizant of what I do and what I say to make sure that I don't get removed again and not actually oh. go to the Paralympics. So it, it, was a, it was a lot of pressure that I put on myself, you know, to say, okay, I don't want to mess this up. I definitely want to get there. Um, and so, you know, not only did I have the training aspect to deal with, the work aspect to deal with, um, my own personal family aspect that I was going through, um, then I had to put on top of that the mental part of, am I actually going to get there? <laughs> Are they going to find something else that's going to take me from not actually participating at the Paralympics? So it was a big, it was a big ordeal for me to, to actually go and participate. But you did it. Yes. Yeah, that's terrific. Now, I, I met you at North Carolina Central University. Um, yes. And when I first met you, I was really surprised. I mean, there's someone here <laughs> who wants to do uh, uh, wheelchair basketball. So talk about what you do at uh, NCCU. Sure. Um, let's see, when you met me, I was teaching an adaptive physical education undergraduate course. Um, and then I also teach within the physical education teaching pedagogy area. And so most of the courses that I taught were adaptive physical education, um, introduction to physical education, um, and then some graduate courses on top of that, and then an adaptive fitness course. Um, so my intention was to redevelop the graduate level adaptive physical education program or concentration. And um, we didn't have a lot of students who were interested in adaptive physical education. And I said, well, you know, one of the problems with that is that they had to come in with a teaching license. And we had an issue with undergraduate students obtaining a teaching license. And so they had to come in with a teaching license already in order to get into the master's program. So I thought about it and I said, well, you know, I wanna, I've, I've always wanted to do something that dealt with sports, whether it was sports and biomechanics, sports and exercise phys, whatever the case may be, just dealing with sports. And um, so I decided, I said, well, I'm gonna take this adaptive physical education and change it, modify it, and modify it into an adaptive sports curriculum. And so that's what I'm working on now is, is getting that master's degree program, online program developed for an adaptive sports master's degree. And so that will hopefully begin in the fall. I think we're right there. Um, I think I have one more level to go through before it's passed. And then we will have our online master's degree in adapted sports. And so that'll be majority of what I'm going to be doing at North Carolina Central is working through that program and then some other additional undergraduate courses as well. I mean, are there other colleges that offer that kind of program, though? If There are, I believe, two other universities that... Um, 
have adapted or adaptive sports, a master's degree program in specifically adaptive sports. There's another university that has adaptive physical activity, um, but that's again, mostly uh, focused on the adaptive physical education component of it. And so this one will be a combination of recreation as well as kinesiology, because we're gonna really put the science into the background of disability. And then we're also gonna look at the, the administration component dealing around um, including adapted sports within recreation, within universities, high schools, policies, all of that. Oh my, I wonder if I should go back to school. Mm. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I can do it online, right? So Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? I may. <laughs> um, you know, as you know, Andrea, I mean, there's a handful of colleges that offer collegiate level adaptive sports. I mean, what, right. what can we do, you know, to get more uh, collegiate level adaptive sport programs? Well, I think one is you have to have the people who know how to develop those programs. Um, in universities specifically, you have people who are already into what, they're, what they want to do. And so if they don't have a background in adaptive sports um, or if they don't have the time to put forth the effort to, to, to really create and develop that type of program, you're not gonna get it. Um, so you have to have people who actually are aware of adaptive sports, who really know uh, the benefits of adaptive sports for the entire university, um, because it can't just be for the people participating, it has to be for the entire university. How's the university gonna benefit from that program? Um, and so when you don't have those people and you don't have that interest, it's very hard to develop. Um, you may have athletes who begin those programs, but again, you have to have the professors, you have to have the administrators who want to be able to assist in putting together that program. And then who's gonna sustain that program? Um, that's the other part. And then the financial component, who's gonna fund it? Um, so those are the three main areas um, of why it's so difficult. Um, I know that I've been working on this for years to develop one here. But again, I'm one person. Um, we had quite a few people on staff who uh, were willing to assist with the program, but the main person who was pushing, who was actually helping to fund the program passed away. And so that came to a halt at that moment. And so just, you know, like I said, you have to really have people who know how to find funding, know how to run a program, know the ins and outs of the university, um, how to get around um, some of the so-called policies that are in place that are for protecting their facilities and as well as protecting the, the athletes. And so it's about that awareness of what is the protection for and who is it for? Um, and are we sure that it's for them <laughs> yeah. um, and for the university at the same time? But it's just, you, you really have to have the people and the force behind it to, to produce those types of programs. So who, I mean, you've gone through some challenging times in your life as you've talked about. I mean, how, how were you able to uh, overcome those challenges in terms of, you know, the people that supported you? Um, really just talking. 
um, I have a very strong support system of, of women um, who I call my sisters. And so we talk, we talk about the hard stuff. Um, you know, I, I've gone through a lot of hard, hard times where I questioned everything. Um, I didn't know one way from the other. And so through my support system, they helped um, let me see where I was actually, where I could go. Um, and then also I have a support of people in general of who are in adaptive sports, male and female, who are just there. Um, whether they are there to make you laugh and it may not be about anything in particular, but it's just a, it's a support system of friends and family. And so that's what truly helped me to overcome some of the obstacles that I have. Um, you know, one of the obstacles that I had was that we didn't medal in 2012 mm -hmm. and to come back to a team in 2012 and not medal. And you're, you're, you're on a team in 2004 that did medal, but you got removed before you were able to participate. So, you know, it's sometimes it's just the little things of saying, but you were on the team <laughs> that matters. You know, who cares if you battled or not, you were on the team and you were only one of 12 who were on the team. And so those little things are the things that help um, coming from my friends and from my family who make me say, oh, well, you're right. You're right. That, that's a big and a huge accomplishment, especially when you have other things involved in your life that you're trying to manage. Yeah. Well, you're still, you know, from my perspective, I mean, you're still, you're an elite athlete, right? Um, yes. And of course, as an elite athlete, you want to win. Right. But the fact that you, you know, you're on these teams, I mean, you're one of the best athletes in the world in terms of what's right. possible, you know, mm -hmm. which is pretty incredible. So. Right. And, you know, the other part of it is that, you know, you, you look and see what being on that team has done for you. And, you know, when I went into college, my undergraduate years, I said, I would never fly. <laughs> and huh? yes, I would never fly. And, and my first game that we played was in California. And so I had to make that long, I think it was seven hours at that time, seven hour flight. <laughs> yeah, across the country, right? Right. And that was the last time I flew until I got involved in adaptive sports and then I started flying more, but it was just in, in the country. And when I made the USA team, now I'm flying over bodies of water. That's a whole different game. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm flying to different continents and um, different countries and from the Paralympics of just playing in the Paralympics, then I became a US sports envoy. And sports envoy means you are traveling even more <laughs> and across the, bo the bodies of water. And so I've traveled to just about every continent on, on, the, on the globe, um, except for Antarctica. Um, and it's allowed me to meet other people in other countries. It's allowed me to begin um, conversations and collaborations with other uh, officials of um, ambassadors, um, people at different universities to be able to collaborate on different incentives of you know, how do we include girls and females in sports? How do we include girls with disabilities in sports? So it's just opened up a wide range of possibilities and opportunities for me 
that I would probably not have gained if I was not on a Paralympic team. Whether I won a medal or not, I was on the Paralympic team and it opened up all these other doors for me. What have you seen? So you, you've traveled a tremendous amount, <laughs> even though you thought, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, what have you seen? You know, a, a big question for me is always inclusion. I mean, and how to recreate more inclusion, you know, in our own community and throughout the U.S., the world. I mean, how, given your perspective on traveling, you know, overseas, how, how do you think we do that? How can we create more inclusion? I think the, the main thing is just giving opportunity. Mm. Um, when I went to, you know, different countries to do these workshops, the main, you know, when you look at inclusion, what inclusion are we talking about? And so we were focused on gender and disability. And some of the times we didn't even have to focus on disability because we couldn't get beyond the gender. And so including girls participating with boys, including girls to participate in the same facility as boys, um, sometimes it just went there. And you know we had the, the students who had disabilities, um, but they were separate. And then majority of the time they were males. And so we had to search in some places, we had to search for females to get them included. And we pulled people, if we saw them, we pulled them in and let them participate. Um, if the girls were participating in a different facility or on a different type of turf, we brought them on the main turf and participated there together. And so it was mostly um, just getting through the gender um, problems that uh, disparities that we wanted to get through. Here at the United States, we still have some of that, but not as much as we do in other countries. And so, you know, when you just bring about the awareness of the actual sports that exist, um, the opportunities that they can gain from participating in these sports, and then letting people realize and understand that anyone can get hurt doing anything. And so let's just give them the opportunity to actually, I don't wanna say, you know, to get hurt, but give them the opportunity to make a choice if they want to participate or not participate. That's the main thing. And, you know, we have a lot of people who are scared to participate because they don't want to get hurt. It's too physical. Um, I don't see anybody else who looks like me. Um, so why should I participate? So it's, it's bringing about all of that awareness to everyone to know that we need to create, start creating this equity line um, and removing these just disparities between gender, race, socioeconomics to get everyone the opportunity to participate and then show the benefits of it. Yeah, participation opportunities. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, so in your life recently, you, you've had two young men join you. Yes. <laughs> what, what, what has that meant to you, you know, and your husband and yeah, your life? It's been a blessing for one. Um, it's been a hard blessing <laughs> um, to introduce teenagers um, into our life, but it, it has been a true blessing. I mean, I've, I've done things that I don't think I would have done without children. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's been an opportunity for me and you'd be talking about awareness. Well, 
they were brought right into it firsthand. Okay, we both have disabilities and we both play wheelchair sports. You're going to have to help your dad with this. You're going to have to help your mom with this. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so it, it's it's just been an eye opener for both sides, I believe. Um, you know, it's it, it's life. I love it. I love it. I wouldn't give it up for anything. Yeah, yeah. And did both of them play sports? Your sons? Um, we're trying. We're working on that. Yeah. Um, my oldest, both of them like certain sports. Yeah. Um, we haven't had the opportunity really to play in school sports. Um, yeah. My oldest son likes recreational basketball, and I think he'll play that every year. I'm trying to push him a little bit to go into playing in high school. Um, my youngest son loves football, and he's tried out for every sport in middle school. Um, he was the football manager of one of at one year and then he broke his foot so he couldn't play the next year Um, and he also does plays he likes to do plays participate in those as well so hopefully I can push um, both of them into at least one sport in high school I would I would love for them to to get on to something my oldest son is a pretty decent runner and so hopefully I'll have him join a cross country team or track team at some point. But yeah, it's, that's, that's my goal is to have them participate in sport because sport brings about so much other than just playing, you know, more than just the X's and O's. It, it really establishes who you are as an individual. Um, you know, the benefits of playing sports is so, is so great that I would hate for them to miss out on those opportunities. For, for you sp- specifically that, I mean, what, what are those life lessons that you've learned from, you know, being part of a team, uh, but also, you know, as an individual elite athlete, I mean, how, how has that, um, you know, impacted your life? It's, you know, one, the, I think the one thing that I can say, it's given me strength and confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, those are probably my main two areas. Um, I've always been able to work with other people and collaborate and things like that, but for me specifically, I think my most strengths, most important strengths and attributes is that I became a stronger individual person physically, as well as mentally and emotionally. Um, and it's built my confidence up more. Um, I've had higher esteem, um, self-esteem because of uh, being involved in sport. Um, sometimes I can walk around with <laughs> a little chip on my shoulder, <laughs> you know, because I'm at that level, but at the same time, I'm humbled in the fact that I know that i worked to get there. Um, and I worked hard to get there, but at the same time I had fun, you know, and I enjoyed that. But, you know, the benefits being able to work with other people uh, when you go into the job force, depending on the specific job that you go into, you're going to always have to work with someone. Uh, so being able to work together as a team unit, um, being able to create goals for yourself and, and set those goals and hopefully meet those goals so that you can make new goals. Um, um, Body image is a big one for me. Um, I've struggled with weight throughout my entire life. Uh, So to know and to learn about nutrition uh, as an athlete and as an elite athlete, what it takes to be, you know, at your best and what you have to go through and what you have to do to get there. So that those are some other avenues that um, have really worked for me due to being involved in sports. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing that when we first met that I noticed immediately about you is just how welcoming, you know, 
you are and how much you wanted to work with others. And I would think, you know, part of that is just, you know, having participated, right, as part mm -hmm. of a team. Well, that and adaptive sports, because it, it is hard getting into adaptive sports when you have so many barriers within adaptive sports. And so you want to be welcoming for number one to, to get other people involved. Um, you want people to know who you are and to know more about the organizations who are involved in adaptive sports and, and hopefully they will contribute into adaptive sports, whether it's participating or volunteering or uh, running an organization, anything to assist with the increase in numbers with adaptive sports. So that, that's one of the things that I truly, I think have developed since playing adaptive sports. It's kind of like the, you hear about um, HBCUs, which I work at a historically black college university mm -hmm. and the struggles that you go through when you go to those universities, you have to be persistent. You have to, you have to you know, overcome a lot of different obstacles to get what you want. And it was the same thing with adaptive sports. There are a lot of obstacles in the way and barriers in the way that want to prevent you from playing or participating in adaptive sports. So when you put those two together, they're almost run simultaneously together um, in that same sense that you have to be persistent. You have to search for whether it's funding or you have to search for ways to participate. There's always something that you as an individual have to do in order to really get involved in adaptive sports. And so that, that's the blessing that I have is that um, I went through those struggles as a graduate student, um, having to you know, go through and find out different things about the university, about the courses that I'm taking and you know, just have to be persistent all the time. And so you do the same thing with adaptive sports. How am I gonna get a wheelchair? What funding can I find so that I can get a wheelchair, you know, yeah, um, right. different things like that. You, that's the part of being at HBCU that gave me that background. Um, being from a division one university for basketball, um, you get kind of spoiled because you don't have to do much. You know, you're, you're seen as that elite athlete at that time. And that was the one thing that I felt was missing when I went, first went into the Paralympics is that I didn't feel like that elite athlete coming in from a D1 university where I did have that status. Um, so that, that you know, was a little bit different um, when I entered into adaptive sports, but it's gotten so much better now uh, with the uniting of the Olympic and Paralympic committees. So that's helped tremendously. Um. So, and finally, um, as we near the end of our interview, I mean, what, what would you say to someone uh, maybe newly injured, uh, maybe with a spinal cord injury, someone who hasn't really participated, you know? I mean, how, what um, kind of advice would you give uh, that person? You know, I, I, I think about it as the advice that I give my kids, um, try everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you live once, try it all. You know, um, if you have a new injury, that means new opportunity. Um, it doesn't mean you're not going to be able to do something. It just means it's going to be a new opportunity for you to do something different. Um, so, you know, don't get frustrated because frustration comes along with anything. 
but try to not get so frustrated that it takes you away from an opportunity. Um, learn how to, like I said, overcome different obstacles. Um, try it out, become childlike in a sense um, to where you just try things and you have fun every time you try it. Um, I think the adult mind is to get upset and get frustrated, but when you're a child, ah, oh well, that's fine. I'm gonna keep moving on and keep playing. So, you know, for somebody who's newly injured, of course, you're gonna have the frustration. You're gonna probably even have the denial. You go through all the stages of grief. Um, but remember that when you go through those stages of grief, you also come out of those stages of grief. And so there's always that light at the end um, and fight for that light and enjoy it. Enjoy the experience um, because it is enjoyable. It, it's a lot of fun when you put into, um, when you really see everyone who's involved, when you see all of the opportunities um, that are there and all of the benefits that come from it. Um, have fun with it and, and just enjoy it. That's the way I, I, my perspective is, is just to have fun and enjoy what you're given. I think that's very sage, wise advice. Um, well, thank you so much. I really appreciated sure seeing you again. And um, yeah, so this is another episode of Getting Everyone Moving and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.